I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the UK Packers podcast. It's your host at NFL on Twitter. You can follow the group at UK Packers. And this week, we've actually become the number one NFL podcast in the UK. And on the line of a special treat for you is again this week. You know how it is of our Friday. We have an absolute, he was an NFL player. He's the most motivational guy you'll find online. Now he's a media mogul. On the line, we have Mr. Ross Tucker. Ross, how are you? Oh, yeah, it is. I'm doing great, Steve. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. I'm pumped. Look, I could listen to your podcast all day, every day. And that, you know what? When you start a podcast and you sort of shout that enthusiastic sort of hello to the podcast, you have to stay till the very end. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I love what I do. I love the sport of football. And I especially love how much it's growing and getting more and more popular over in the UK. Um, Look, I'm obviously biased, but I happen to think it's the greatest game ever. And I played soccer from when I was six till I was 12. But then I played football after that. And really, for me, at least, there was no comparison. And I want as many people to be able to experience that in whatever way they can as possible. Yeah, because you do have a large international following. And speaking of large, you're a big guy. And you were talking about your childhood. You used to play soccer. But Ross, is it true? And correct me if I'm wrong. You weren't the biggest of kids. You became a giant, but you actually started off quite small. Is that is that true or is that some false rumor? Well, I was always a bigger guy, I guess I'd say. You know, I was always one of the bigger kids yeah. in my class. But, you know, I matured later than everybody else. So eighth, ninth, tenth grade, I was very average. You know, in tenth grade... I was probably about six feet tall, 170 pounds. So I don't know what the translation is, you know, for you guys, but that is below average to say the least. And so never, ever did I think, you know, someday I'll be an NFL offensive lineman weighing, you know, weighing well over 300 pounds. So that's why I always tell people, hey, whatever it is that you're really into, just make it a focus to be the very best you can be. So at least whatever that is, you'll know, hey, you know what? I was the best I could be at my favorite thing in the world to do. And, you know, for me, I, I didn't know if that just meant playing in high school or college. And I certainly did not think it meant the NFL, but fortunately for me, it did. Yeah, because Ross, I mean, from listening to your podcast, from reading your articles online, you've been around for what seems like forever. But the one thing that jumps out about you, apart from being you know having a very successful career and being very good in the media you're an incredibly smart guy I mean when did you know that you wanted to go into the NFL because you went to Princeton you went to one of the best colleges in America so was it a hard were you in Princeton saying you know I'm a smart guy I'm in Princeton and now you have to play a sport that especially in the O-line that people would just assume that you're a bit of a caveman you know but you're actually you've got so much smarts was it kind of hard to contrast the two, and was it a bit conflicting in you? Well, the first thing I would tell you is that offensive linemen, and I think you guys probably know this now, offensive linemen and quarterbacks are really the smartest guys on the team and have to be because of the nature of those positions. Yeah. And I was just thrilled that I was a good enough player that it enabled me to go to Princeton. You know, it really helped me get into Princeton. And and frankly, 
you know, I went to Princeton because I thought I'm not actually going to play pro. I'm not actually going to play in the NFL. So yeah. I might as well go to the best academic school that I can go to. But then lo and behold, while I'm at Princeton, you know, I had some success as a freshman. I started a couple of games actually at defensive end. Yeah. And one of the guys I went up against uh, who was a senior was an offensive tackle at Harvard named Matt Burke, who many of you Packers fans know because he played for the Vikings for like 12 years yeah. as their starting offensive lineman. When he got drafted in the sixth round by the Minnesota Vikings, I remember thinking, wait a minute, if that guy got drafted, maybe I can at least get into a training camp or something. You know, maybe I can at least get a shot, you know, to at least see what pro football is like. And so it kind of went in the back of my mind then. And then when they moved me to offensive line, that, that, and I started as a sophomore, that kind of became a goal. I didn't know how realistic it was, but it became something that I thought, you know what, I'm going to make sure I become the best player in college I can, because who knows, maybe I can get a shot in the pros. Yeah, and I mean, dreams were realized then. You ended up with being in the pros. And I've sort of, I've interviewed a few players on the podcast now. We've had Mason Crosby, Sam Barrington, Mike Daniels, who's one of the best defensive players in the NFL. But something that I'd like to get from you, especially as sort of a retired player. Ross, how difficult was it to go from being a college kid to being in the NFL, but not play-wise? Let's get away from that for the moment and let's talk business. You got an awful lot of money. How is it, How hard is it to adjust as a young kid with a bank balance bigger than anybody else can dream of? Well, you know, for me, it wasn't that hard because I looked at each year as being my only year. Yeah. You know, I mean... My rookie year, I distinctly remember calling up Lehman Brothers on Wall Street and deferring my job for a year because I thought, you know what, it's cool. I made the team with the Redskins. You know, maybe I'll just be on the team for a year. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't really know, you know, what would happen after that. And I wanted to make sure I still had that job. So my the rookie minimum that year was 209, which is what I made. Yeah. So, you know, after taxes, let's just say it's $110,000, which is a ton of money for a 22-year-old, but it's not millions upon millions like, you know, what the top draft picks get. Yeah. Plus, Stephen, I had uh, to pay off significant student loans, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to. Yeah. And it, it might not have been the most financially savvy move, but I really just did not want to have it hanging over me. So I think I wrote a check to Princeton for like $24,000 to get rid of that student loan. So I'd have to make those payments every month. So you know, after that, I'm down less than $100,000. And I remember thinking, you know what? I just don't want to have to live paycheck to paycheck. I've got a nice start here financially. I want to invest this and, and save it and be smart with it. So I, I didn't even buy a car. Yeah. My rookie year, I kept driving my 1990 Jeep Cherokee, and in fact, I drove it all the way till my second training camp. And at that point, it 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 broke down on me going to training <laughs> camp. And I thought, okay, I need a new car, and I was starting. So then I ended up getting a nice car. Yeah. My second year, my first year, I treated it like that would be my only year. 
Are you unique in that, Ross, do you think? Because, I mean, I don't know what the game was like. And again, you're not out of the game a whole lot, you know, long, but but from when you were back in a rookie. Because, again, especially from this side of the pond, we're used to seeing all the flashiness because, the you know, in America, I guess, you know, more people on the offensive and defensive lines uh, will probably get a bit more attention. People know who they are. But some casual watchers over here now... Personally speaking, and from the people I deal with in the fan club, we're diehard fans. We know everybody on the roster. But over here, we kind of get the casual players. You know, we see the Odell Beckhams. We see the highlight catches, the sort of diving up in the air with one hand. Then the flashiness off the field, the cool hairdos. Are you unique or were you a unique breed? I mean, did you walk into the locker room and see the wide receivers, you know, with 24 karat gold, this, that, and the other? Is it a very flashy game within the locker room and within the players? I'd say it's probably about 50-50. Yeah. You know, 50% of the guys are really down to earth. And, you know, that that's not sort of their lifestyle. That's not what they're looking for. And then there are, there is 50% of the guys that when they dreamt of being an NFL player, a large part of it was being able to, to live the lifestyle, you know, going to the parties, having the nice cars, having the jewelry, those type of things. I was never that guy. I mean, Stephen, my, my mom had to work very hard to even get me to go to the mall with her. Ever. I, I didn't like <laughs> shopping. I'm not the type of person that wants a whole lot. Yeah. If I have enough money for beer and ice cream, I'm pretty good. I mean, that's <laughs> those are sort of my staples. Other than that, I'd rather save it or invest it and watch um, – you know, watch the account grow. I'd rather watch that than spend it on frivolous things. I mean, you guys don't get a chance to see me because it's an audio, you know, the Ross Tucker football podcast and really all of them, they're all audio podcasts, but I'm typically wearing a t-shirt, mesh shorts and, and flip flops, you know? So I, I don't really, uh, I don't really want for much. I'm fortunate in that way. The one thing I can tell you, is that unfortunately, a lot of the players are not very educated when it comes to financial matters. Yeah, they're they're just not. Uh, they don't have that background. You know, whether it's college where you learn about the time value of money, or whether it's their parents, you know, teaching them about saving and those type of things. A lot of guys just don't have that that discipline or that background. And so they'll make very, very poor choices, unfortunately, which is something that the NFL really works hard to try to prevent as much as possible. That's what I was just about to ask, Ross. I mean, do you think the NFL does enough to educate the players to say, listen, you get paid so much because your career, you know, depending on the position, I mean, we've seen running backs leave the game very early. So do you think the NFL does enough or do you think there's only so much the NFL can actually do and the players have to take the responsibility themselves? I think the NFL does enough. Yeah. I mean, you know, how a guy is brought up from when he's born to age 21, 22, 23, the NFL can't do anything about that. Yeah. And so by the time they get the guy, he's already made it. Yeah. You know, he's already made the NFL. So he already thinks he knows everything. He already thinks, hey, I, I, I made it. I'm in the league. I know what's going on. And so that – you know, that creates issues then for NFL. A lot of times they're trying to undo, undo things that are already ingrained for some of these guys, unfortunately. But that's that's the reality. I don't know how much more they can do. I mean, 
Stephen, I sat in meeting after meeting after meeting about not signing over power of attorney, about trusting, you know, be careful who you trust. When in doubt, don't invest in something, you know, to the point where it almost got annoying for those of us that we got it. You know what I mean? Like we didn't need to hear it 20 times, but um, I guess there were other guys that did. So they felt like they needed to do that. Yeah, I mean, from the sounds of it, you, you you know, you were always very clued in. And did you find that in the locker room? And because you've had an illustrious career, Ross. I mean, you know, you've you went and you've had a, a multitude of different teams. Some of them fantastic, some of them not so fantastic in, in sort of the seasons that you were in. But I look at some of the players that you would have played with. And most notably, Tom Brady. I mean, would you look at him in the locker room and say, that guy's also clued in. That guy is a, is a lifer. He really knows what he's doing. All facets of himself he takes care of. Because over here, we always hear stories about, you know, obviously he has the famous wife. Obviously, his stats are off the charts. But then you look at the likes of how he takes care of his body, how he takes care of his finances, you know, his charitable causes. Was Tom Brady one of those standout guys that when you look at him, you go, yeah, you know, you're in here for the long term? Oh, there's no question. I mean, number one, he was one of the few guys that would get there as early in the morning as I did. Yeah. And, you know, at this point when I played with him, he had already won three Super Bowls. Yeah. So it's pretty impressive that he still had that desire, that he still had that that burning passion to be great. And then he's also one of the only guys I can ever remember that when we would be in the cold tub together or whatever. Yeah that he would actually be reading sections of the newspaper that weren't just the sports section. (laughs) You know, he'd be reading the front page, the money section. He'd be reading, you know, lifestyle or whatever they call it. So he was uh, he was unique in that way for sure. Yeah, and I mean, there was many different characters you would have faced in the locker room. And, you know, most of us sort of normal punters only get a chance to either imagine what it would be like or see it. But in the locker room, as an offensive guy, would you just hang out with offensive guys? Or, you know, did everybody mingle together? Was it all the wide receiver core hanging out together? Did everyone keep to themselves? Because one thing that that struck me, Ross, when he interviewed a man green, he was saying that in college... It was the team was all for the team. Like, you know, everyone would sacrifice what they were doing just to make sure the team won. But he said what struck him when he moved to the NFL was and when he was drafted by the Seahawks is that everybody was about themselves. Is everybody a bit like, you know, it's very business businessman like when you get into the NFL or was it sort of an old, you know, slap people on the back or around and make buddies? So two things. Number one is you learn very quickly that the NFL is very, very different from college. I mean, in college, I went to Princeton, and our big rivals were Harvard and Yale and Penn, and we wanted to beat them. When I was a rookie with the Redskins in my second year, our big rival was the Cowboys. You know, we wanted to beat the Cowboys, Cowboys versus Redskins, that whole deal. Well, about a month into my second season, the Redskins cut me, And I was placed on waivers and I got picked up the next day by the Dallas Cowboys. So I went from being a Redskin to a Cowboy in a day. So how can it be all about the team? And I would have been going like from Princeton to Harvard. You know, that just doesn't happen. You just don't do that. So um, that was unique to say the least. And you learn that while it's a team sport, at that level, it's an individual profession. And I would say in general, um, 
you know, I typically hung out with guys at my position, typically offensive linemen. I spent a lot of time with Chris Samuels when I was with the Redskins. And um, at times, quarterbacks, you know, Drew Bledsoe with the Bills and Chad Hutchinson with the Cowboys. But usually it seemed like I gravitated towards quarterbacks, tight ends, and offensive linemen. That was usually uh, a big part of the group. And what is the dynamic with a quarterback? I mean, is it is it like, you know, the quarterback you don't say? Because we hear that all the time about Aaron Rodgers for the Packers, where when the rookies come in, they kind of don't want to talk to him. Even if they have a locker very close to him, they're kind of scared to go by him because he's quite an intimidating figure. He, Aaron Rodgers came out and even said that with the rookie wide receivers, he likes to put an extra bit of sting on his pass just to try test them, you know, just to see what metal they have. Is the quarterback a guy where when you're in the huddle, you do not talk to him? Or does it really depend on the quarterback? Some are more approachable than others. Well, in general, you're not really supposed to talk in the huddle very much at all because the quarterback needs to talk and he needs everybody's attention. But just around the team, uh, I think the older you get, probably the more comfortable you feel around those guys. But when you're a younger player, you really don't speak unless spoken to, period. You know, let alone the quarterback or anybody. That's one of the things that I was taught and I learned is that rookies are to be seen and not heard. (laughs) That's what my granny used to say about us as kids. She used to say, right, that's it. You've seen, not heard. Go into the front room. Don't say anything. Thank you very much. Nice, nice. <laughs> but uh, Ross, one of the one of the great things I love about your show, and again, anybody listening to the UK Packers podcast, they have to go on and check out the Ross Tucker podcast. It's some fantastic analysis. And again, Ross, you're a fun guy. It's a very light podcast, but you get all the information you need. One of my favorite parts, though, is Tuck's takes. Can I bring Tuck's takes to the UK Packer podcast? Sure. Right, let me hit you with this, uh, Ross. So let's compare some quarterbacks here, right? So... Aaron Rodgers, veteran, Uh, you know, he was ranked number six on the NFL top 100. Uh, We look at his stats and, you know, we spoke of Tom Brady earlier. Aaron Rodgers beats Tom Brady in pretty much every stat, if not every stat, bar one. And that's Super Bowl rings. How do you rate a quarterback? Do do you put as much stock into Super Bowl rings as the media does? Or do you think that's unfair to a quarterback's legacy? I don't put quite as much in as a lot of the fans and media do. I think that they they put a little bit too much of an emphasis on it. Yeah. But I've often said, Stephen, the people that say that quarterback wins and quarterback championships mean nothing are as wrong as the people that say it means everything. Because remember, that is the goal. You know, that that is what you're trying to accomplish. And certain quarterbacks have a stronger tendency to make winning plays than others. Yeah. So it's not the be-all, end-all, where I think you can compare quarterbacks just by counting the number of rings they have, because I think that's wrong. But if you act like quarterback rings don't mean anything, then why does it seem to be the case that so many good quarterbacks win Super Bowls? I mean, there, there's a reason for that, and are consistently in the playoffs, and are getting in championship games, those sort of things. Yeah, because, you know, we we had this debate because we have an Instagram account and we put up sort of, you know, funny memes. But the other time we put up something that's a little bit more hard hitting. And one of them was that we had Tom Brady stats and Aaron Rodgers stats. And again, you know, we didn't put up the quarterback rings because now, again, even within the UK Packers group, there was people with varying opinions. But, you know, if you want to go steady these takes here, like my take would be is absolutely I agree with what you're saying that, 
you know, if the quarterback would be, have a tendency to make better plays. But if you look at the past few losses, the heartbreaking losses that the Packers have faced, you know, it's coming down to maybe a special team's play. Brandon Bostick should have went up and caught the ball, but fumbled it. It wasn't his assignment. It should have been Jordy Nelson's. It fell to the Seahawks and we got beaten, you know. And I think that, you know, Super Bowl wins can be down as a team stat as opposed to a, a quarterback stat. But, you know, just from what you're saying, I absolutely agree that, you know, if you're a top-level quarterback, you'll probably put your team in those positions more to win than a team who wasn't. But I want to ask you this. Though. This is the second Tux take. Ted Thompson. People love him. Some people in Pack Nation don't like the way he goes on. He's a draft and develop guy. Do you agree with the method that Ted Thompson uses to draft and develop? Or do you think with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and with the window that people say is sort of slowly closing as he ages that you know the Packers should be going out more and making a splash in free agency instead of always trying to draft and develop it's not about a splash in my mind it's about supplementing the roster yeah to give them a better chance to get over the hump in the playoffs and he absolutely should be doing that and the best example of that or examples are Charles Woodson and Julius Peppers yeah both of them have had a tremendous impact on the team when they arrived I don't know why he doesn't do that a little more often, you know, they've got arguably the best quarterback in the world in his prime. And over the last five years, not only have they not won a Super Bowl, not only have they not gotten to a Super Bowl, they've only even gotten to one conference championship game. I mean, Stephen, to me, that's not enough. That's not good enough when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Now, I think Aaron deserves some of that blame as well because if you look I think in all but one of those playoff losses they scored 22 points or less yeah so he should probably do a better job of getting them some more points but maybe there are some things that you know Thompson could do to help them offensively and certainly there'd be some things in free agency he could do to help them defensively so I'm of the mindset yes Thompson could and should be more aggressive than he is to help them out yeah and another one then uh, Ross you've played in Lambeau Field and correct me if I'm wrong and I was looking at some of the the stats sometimes you went to Lambeau Field and I think there was a dredging at one stage I think he's got beaten 37 zip but then you went back to Lambeau Field and you destroyed the Packers what was it like to play at Lambeau Field and do you believe in that sort of home field advantage Lambeau Field is amazing everything about it it's fantastic. And number one, when you're there, you can feel and sense the history and the tradition. It is special. There's just no way around it. You get that sense that it's special. Number two, it's unlike any other stadium in the NFL in that a large portion of the fans are already in their seats for pregame warmups. 45 minutes before the game even starts. It's absolutely incredible and truly unique. And then, you know, I mean, like from a media perspective now, the food is awesome. The fans (laughs) are great. And there's something special about those Packer uniforms. It's a really, really, truly special opportunity. And finally then, Ross, I mean, your own career was cut short with injury. Um, uh, do you ever worry about the violence in the game? Because we know that the NFL are trying to go out and make the game safer. 
but you know because again with your podcast you kind of let people into your life and you talk about your family a lot did you ever worry when you're out in the field you know you know for your family and say god you know i really can't get injured here and could you recommend the game now to kids coming up or do you kind of shy away from recommend them because it is such a violent game Never really thought about it until I was an NFL player. So high school, college, I wasn't that concerned. Yeah. But when I was in the NFL, I became keenly aware that the potential for a very serious injury was always there, always lurking. Yeah. And that was really concerning. I remember distinctly before every game, I would pray and I would just say, you know, God, please, please, please keep me free from any serious injury. Because I knew, you know, if I played bad and I got cut or we lost, I can deal with any of those. Yeah. But if I got paralyzed or something like that, you know, that would affect me for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I remember distinctly being very, very, very concerned about that part of it and praying about it. I absolutely could recommend football to younger kids. Absolutely. I I can't, I mean, I owe my whole life to football. Yeah. Um, So many of my friends, so many of the best experiences of my life, you know, I would not recommend starting before about seventh grade till you're about 13 years old. And most of the concern now about concussions, I think is a little bit overblown in the sense that there is a protocol in place now, we know so much more. Yeah. So if you're actually getting concussion, then you can stop playing. But it shouldn't be a reason why you don't start in the first place. And, you know, I miss it every day. And I would do anything to play in one more game. I would pay to play in one more game healthy. So, yeah, I mean, who would I be with everything I've gotten from the game to not tell kids that they should get involved. Yeah, well, selfishly, Ross, I'm glad you're not playing in the game because now we have Ross Tucker, the media personality, and we have Ross Tucker on the UK Packers podcast. So I'm happy about that. So, I mean, that was a fantastic chat. And again, anybody listening, I would I can't recommend enough to go on to Ross Tucker's uh, podcast. You can find it on iTunes. And Ross, you also do a fantasy football podcast, am I right? Yeah, I got a fantasy football podcast, The Fantasy Feast with Evan Silva from Roto World, which is really popular. I do a college draft podcast where we evaluate and talk about evaluating players in college for the NFL draft uh, called The College Draft. And once the season rolls around, I have a, a gambling podcast, you know, where we talk about the betting lines and where you should place your wagers called The Even Money Podcast. So, I try to have you covered from all angles if you want to listen to podcasts about the NFL. And of course, you can also always just check me out on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL or Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL if you're a, a big social media person. Well, I'm definitely going to be using that uh, betting podcast because when the regular season swings around over here in Ireland, I'm actually on the radio every week. Um, and at the very end, I have to do this betting portion. And I got annihilated last year. I didn't know what was going on. They were kind of inviting me on every week then going, are you sure you know what you're talking about? Because I could wax lyrical about players and stats and how the games went. But trying to predict those unpredictable games last season killed me. But finally... Um, listeners we have a special uh, treat as well is that we give we were going to give away a t-shirt and we had this sort of retweet competition and we got an unbelievable amount of responses but 
we have a winner. And to tell that winner is Ross Tucker himself. The winner of the famous UK Packers podcast t-shirt, none other than David Muldowney. Congratulations, David. Congrats, Dave. I'm going to have to put in some type of fanfare music, some trumpets, maybe a snare drum or two, a marching band to try and announce that. But uh, Ross, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. And hopefully uh, during the regular season when we know everything starts kicking off, we're going to have to try to get you on again. My pleasure, Stephen, anytime. And go, Pack, go!